Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. You guys, I have to tell you, Josh, Justice, that was mean of you to talk about the people that were laying on the floor. Okay, so here's what happened. Um, I was I I was lifting up this coffee table, or or uh, actually the way it was, Kevin was with me. Kevin Dixon was with me on one end. I was on the other, and we were going to lift up this coffee table. And Kevin goes, "Oh, this thing's really pretty solid. It's really pretty heavy." Now, please understand. I had already told the crew, hey, everyone stay hydrated and make sure you've stretched because we don't want any injuries today because I knew we were lifting furniture and things like that. And of course, he's calling it out. This is a heavy one. This is heavy. And I'm like, ah, come on. Yeah, I'm Tim Woody. And so so I I, I reached down and of course, yeah, I'm using my knees. I'm lifting with my knees. And then we had to flip it over on its side. And at that moment, I mean, my back, it was like, it was like a bolt of lightning hit my back. Not just like this little thing of, ooh, that felt weird. No, it was, ah, I mean, I did, I did scream at that moment, ah, and I was down and I, and I couldn't, I I just couldn't move. And so I fortunately, the little, little refrigerator freezer was right there where I always keep a an ice pack in there. And I was like, this is why I keep this here. And so I had to put down, and I know exactly what I have to do in order to get over a, a muscle strain like that, because I have to put ice on it fast and then start stretching and do that, and do that for basically about three hours. And that was the whole three hours where everybody moved everything. So the whole three hours while everyone was moving, I'm there just laying on the floor, just taking care of myself. And they're all done. They leave. And I'm like, okay, I feel better now. So <laughs> now I, there was an accusation that I just did that to get out of the work, but I really, really didn't. And it still does hurt today. And I'm being very, very, very careful. But it was a lot of fun. We had a great time with everybody yesterday. So thank you guys for coming out. I want to welcome you who's just now joining us online. Thank you so much for for joining us. I'm looking forward to sharing God's word with you here uh, in just a moment. So go ahead, go ahead now and get your Bible open to the book of Malachi chapter number three. Malachi chapter three. And uh, as, you're, as you're turning there, I, I, I want to tell you right up front, I want to clear the air on this, about once a year, once a year, I teach on tithing. Other times I'll talk sometimes about giving in different ways, but today's about tithing. I do this about once a year, and I'm going to do it today. So if you are our guest here today, hear me well. This is not an attempt to manipulate you or coerce you to give to City Life Church. And in fact, if you're a guest here, what I, my prayer is, is that you will take these principles and you'll put them into your life. I, my prayer is that God will show you something through this message that you can apply to your life personally. So again, this is not about trying to get your money. It's about worship. It's about obedience, and it's about the condition of your heart. It's about the Word of God. So honestly, my passion is that everyone will break free from all types of selfish motives and attitudes and actions so that we can experience freedom and generosity and selflessness. And, and, and we do that in order to operate under God's blessing, and it comes through the obedience of tithing. So to the title of my message today is this, How to test God. I'm going to talk about testing today. 
how to test God. I'm eventually going to get there, but, but uh, let's talk about tests for us personally. I mean, do, do you remember going to class, and, and then you walk into class, and up there on the board, it's written real big, test today. And you're kind of going, what test? What's, what's going on? Wait, wait, I don't know. And so you go and you sit down and, and, uh, and you're, you're in, you're, you're the person next to you says, are you ready? And you're like, ready for what? Ready for the test. And there's, there's this t- silent tension in the room and everybody's looking over their notes and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, the tests can catch you off guard, but there is a regular and consistent test that God gives to us and that test happens every time you earn money. So before we talk about how to test God, I want us to consider our test. Our test basically is this, that this test happens through these two questions. Who will you thank for your income? And who will we worship for our income? Who will we thank for our income? Who will we worship for our income? So when we get paid... That's when we get tested. Now, there is a very simple solution. And the simple solution is this. The answer is it's determined by the first debit, by the first money that comes out of it, the first check that comes out of it. That is the determination of the answer. So so where does the first part of your paycheck go? According to the scriptures. Now, I know... It's easy to think, well, my first part of my paycheck had better go to Visa. (laughs) The the problem is, is that Visa does not have the power to bless your finances, and only God does. So I want us to look now at Malachi chapter number three, verse six, and we're going to dig into this scripture like I've never really taught before, and, and we're going to look at it in its depth. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, and I, I read and I teach from the New American Standard Bible. You may have some different words in your Bible, but, but they all come back and mean basically the same thing. Malachi 3, 6 says, for I, the Lord, do not change. All right, God doesn't change. He didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We sang a whole song about it, about how God just doesn't change. All right, so that's important. So he goes on to say, okay, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, so again, it's based upon the fact that he's an unchanging God. You and the sons of Jacob have not come to an end. Now, I'll just tell you in very simple terms what that means. God's saying, you know what? I haven't changed at all. I I used to be nice, and I'm still nice, and I'm still nice, which is evidence that I haven't killed you yet. Now, I know that may jolt you a little bit, but that's exactly what he's saying. I am still a really nice God, and you would have deserved to have died already, but I haven't killed you. I know that may startle you a little bit, but that's the truth, okay? I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, the sons of Jacob, have not come to an end. Now you see it, okay? Okay, verse 7, it says, From the days of your fathers, you have turned away from my statutes. Okay, underline that word in your Bible, statutes, and have not kept them. Now, you may be ordinances or decrees that's in your Bibles, but just underline that word. That's one of the ones we're going to come back to. You've turned away from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. So, again, we're going to come back to that word statutes, ordinances, decrees, whatever's in your Bible. But what's happening here is God is talking. 
He's reminding people that he never changes and that he is good. He was good and he is good. And, that's, and the evidence of that is that he has not wiped those people off the face of the earth. But you see, there's a problem here. Generation upon generation keeps turning away from God's statutes. That's what's important. Okay, look back at verse 7. The end of that says, but you say, how shall we return? Okay, so the good thing is here is God's people are at least dialoguing with God. Uh, Sure, they're not honoring God's statutes. Uh, They've not shut him out. So in other words, they're still going to church. They're still singing the songs. They're listening to the sermons. God is speaking. They're replying. So there is conversation going. And they're basically saying, if we're supposed to return, how do we do that? Okay, the answer to this is found in verse 8. Look at it. He says, would anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Again, this is the God who cannot change who's speaking. Now, if if I were to ask you, would you rob God? Would you steal from God? I know what your answer would be. You're like, there's no way I would do that. That's crazy. I wouldn't do that. Yet he is saying to them, you are robbing me. Now, I want you to watch because they, they give a very, very normal response here. I love this dialogue. Take a look at the second part of verse 8. It says, but you say, how have we robbed you? God answers, in tithes and offerings. <clears throat> okay, these are God's words. No preacher made this up. You are cursed with a curse. Underline that word curse. That's another important word that we'll look at here in a minute. For you are robbing me, the entire nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Underline that word storehouse. It's another word we're going to come back to. So that they may be food in my house. Underline my house. And put me to the test now. I underline those words. Put me to the test now. Get all that underlined. Says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will the vine in your field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies. All the nations will call you blessed and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of armies. All right, so again, who's talking here? It's God, the God who does not change Ever. Now, I had you underline several words, and we're going to take a look at those. First of all, I want to take a look at the words storehouse and my house. I had you underline both of those. That simply refers to your local church. So the storehouse is the place from which you and others of a particular community receive ministry. My house refers to the, uh, to, to the place of worship. So storehouse of my house in the New Testament is one place. And God says this is a statute that is continually being violated. So let's look at that word statute. What that word statute means from its original language, this is Hebrew, it means ordinances or principles of ordinary behavior. That's important principles of ordinary behavior. He didn't say this is the law. He says this is a statute. These are principles of ordinary behavior. God was telling them that they had gone away from his principles of ordinary behavior. In other words, it's ordinary for the people of God to thank God for the harvest, to thank God for income, regardless of the economy, regardless of inflation, regardless of tax increases, okay? So so God is the source 
and he deserves acknowledgement. Um, and, and it's a statute. It's just simply an ordinary principle. And he's saying, you have abandoned my ordinary principles. And then he says it. He says, if you tithe, you're blessed. If you don't tithe, you're cursed. Blessed, cursed. Wow. Those are serious words, and it's very concise right there. Now, here's what's important to recognize. He does not say, I am going to curse you. He doesn't say that. He says, you are under a curse. God doesn't want us to be cursed. But what happens is we voluntarily then place ourselves under a curse. It's like, it's like voluntarily running outside. Spring is, is, I mean, it's, come on, it's already here. But, but you know what happens around the next few months is we get those storms and hail comes. It's kind of like knowing that it's hailing outside. I'm just going to go right and run around the yard in the hailstorm. That's like voluntarily placing yourself under something that's bad. I mean, even animals are smarter than that, all right? My chihuahua would not be out there. My chihuahua hears thunder, and that's it. That's it, all right? So, but, but we live in a cursed world. That's the, that's the problem. We live in a cursed world. And what God wants to do is God wants to be able to redeem our finances from under the curse. But it takes our cooperation. And that cooperation is the first 10%. So uh, that's, that comes back to that word tithe. Some of your Bibles, it, it, you saw the word tithe in there. Tithe is, and I had you underline that too, tithe means a tenth. It's very simple. So, in, in my conversation with God about this sermon, because I usually argue with God about every single sermon I preach, and, and I had a good argument with him, and I said, Lord, you know, God, you know I'm a pastor, and I just want, I just want to help people. And uh, my whole life has been dedicated to helping people and, and, and to bringing people to the cause of the gospel and bringing them to Jesus and, and helping to live ab- abundantly, the way the scriptures say, and and, and I know that there are these principles that are in your word, but they, and they're like these ordinary principles. And that's what I love to preach about, about marriage and family and faith and finances. But see, there's a stigma in the United States of America about this, which really isn't anywhere else in the world, but only in the United States. Think about this, we're the wealthiest nation on the earth. But we, there's a stigma about it, like, well, we, we can't talk about that in church. <laughs> but then I realized the book of Malachi is all about God returning to us. See, chapter 1 is about us returning to God in our faith. Chapter 2 of Malachi is about us returning to God with our family. Chapter 3 of Malachi is about us returning to God with our finances. Chapter 4 of Malachi is about God returning to us. So I realized, okay, this is simply part of what God wants to communicate to us. It's part of God's statutes, ordinary behavior. And tithing is actually part of the big picture. So what is tithing? Well, let's go back to what we started off with. Tithing is actually our test. And, and, and it really boils down to this. Do you really believe God's word is true or not? Now, that, that remaining 90% with God's blessing, I know this, it will go further than the 100% without I don't understand it. I can't figure it out, but I know it's true. And it is a test of your faith. So when you're going through a difficult time, I mean, are you going to believe this? But why is it 10%? Well, 
I, I think that God chose a percentage so that it would be really the same for everyone. It's a penny on a dime. It's a dime on a dollar. That's it. It's that simple. So it doesn't matter whether you earn 30000 or 300000 It's the same. It's fair for every single person. That's really quite convenient. But it's, it's also interesting because as a theologian, I know that the number 10 represents testing in the Bible. Did you know that? It does. It represents testing. So whenever you find <clears throat> 10 in the scriptures, typically it refers to a time of testing. Some examples are this, the 10 plagues that were a test of Pharaoh's heart. There were the 10 commandments that tested Israel. Jacob's wages were reduced 10 times as a test to him. Daniel was tested for 10 days. 10 virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25. Revelation speaks about 10 days of testing. So, so the tithe, the 10th, is ultimately about God testing our hearts. Now, let's look at the word curse. Uh, what is a curse? Well, we already learned that it's not God cursing us, but a curse is this. It is consequences for a behavior. That is the basic definition of it, consequences for a behavior. Now, I don't want to get negative consequences in my life for a behavior that I can actually change. I can change. I can tie. And I can be removed, my finances can be removed from a financial curse. Now, I also understand this. I've been around for a while, and I know this. A lot of people think that, well, tithing really isn't biblical. <laughs> but I find that interesting because it actually comes from the Bible. So, but, 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 but I want to give you just a few quick examples of this. Uh, Genesis chapter 14, we see that Melchizedek, He's a type of Christ, and Abraham gave him a tenth. He gave them a, him a tithe, and you can read about it. Put the scriptures up there on the screen for you. And what happened is Melchizedek blessed him. And this is 500 years before the law of Moses. So, so it's before the law. It is, it is simply an ordinary practice. Also, uh, tithing, so, so keep in mind, here, here's the principle here. Tithing is an ordinary principle that predates the law of Moses. It predates all of that. Now, I mean, you can even go back to Cain and Abel back in the very beginning. Cain did not give the tithe. Abel gave the tithe. God accepted Abel's sacrifice and his offering, and he didn't accept Cain's offering. That's 2,500 years before the tithe. Genesis chapter 22, verse, excuse me, Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, Jacob gave a tenth, and he gave a tenth to, to a place that he named Bethel. Bethel is a Hebrew word, which means house of God. Again, the implication here is that the tithe belongs to God's house. Again, this is 400 years before the law of Moses. In the law of Moses, in Leviticus chapter 28, verse 30, it says, Now all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, and or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy. Important word is holy to the Lord. So the tithe is also holy. It is set, that means set apart. So it is, it is we, but we have to take the action on setting it apart. Deuteronomy chapter 26, the whole chapter there discusses the tithe. And, and again, it's, a, it's all through this passage of scripture. And it just shows you that it is an ordinary principle that God's people tithe. Jesus talked about the tithe. And in, in the seven woes, which are found in Matthew chapter 23, now these are, the, if you've ever heard of the seven woes, it is a whole chapter that's, that's dedicated to where Jesus says, woe are you. 
just a little side note here. Several years ago, when I was very early in my pastoral ministry, I decided to do a whole sermon series on the seven woes. You want to talk about, uh, talk about like a tense atmosphere in the church. Yeah, well, next time I preach about that, it'll just be one sermon, okay? Everybody gets scared. Oh, no, here we go. Next Sunday is another woe. But, but uh, Matthew 23, 23, Jesus does say this. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. These are religious leaders. You hypocrites. You, for you tithe, this is the New Testament, you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Okay, here's what he says. He's saying, you're giving tithes of everything, like literally down to spices. If someone gives you some spices as an offering, the priest would get stuff like that. Well, then they would take a tenth of the spice and weigh it out and, and do all that. He said, you're, I mean, you're, you're tithing it's like to an extreme level here, but you're not being merciful to people. You're not administering justice to people who are hurting. And that is very, very, very important. In other words, he's saying you're not being faithful in your relationship. So Jesus says, I mean, keep doing, keep doing the tithing. Do not neglect the tithing, but you need to do things that are even more important and start working on some relationships. So Jesus talked about tithing. Hebrews chapter number seven in the New Testament, it, it talks about the story from Genesis 14 about Abraham giving this offering to Melchizedek. And, and it actually says in Hebrews seven that that is our example. And I like Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 8. It says, in this case, mortal men receive tithes. But in that case, one receives them of whom it is witness that he lives on. Let me, let me break this down for you. Because this, this is really an amazing, amazing scripture here. Basically, it's this. I put my tithe in an envelope, or I, through the City Life app, or the, the church website, or or, or the giving station, the basket, whatever. And it says that mortal men will take it out. So I just want to let you know, Donna, are you doing the finance? Are you doing this? That's a mortal woman right there. <laughs> and she's going to take it out. Who, who else is helping you today? Oh, my goodness, front row. I like that. All right, Kristen. So... I, the scripture says y'all are going to die. I mean, at some point, unless Jesus comes. I, I, know, I know it's hard, but just, uh, at some point. I'm just preaching the word. It's just the word here, all right? <laughs> Mortal people who will die will take it out. But it says God actually receives the tithe, the one who doesn't die, the one who is declared to be living. They're doing a little play on words there. I mean, that's the New Testament. So what is tithing? Well, tithing is our test. Where does tithing come from? It comes from the Bible. And here's, here's another major principle. And the question is this, is how does tithing impact? Well, tithing is a blessing. It's that simple. In 2 Chronicles, we hear this story. It's an incredible story. Uh, for about three or four chapters in 2 Chronicles about a king named Hezekiah, and he initiated a bunch of reforms throughout Israel. But, but it started by something really novel. He started reading the Bible, and he realized that they were doing a lot of things 
that they weren't supposed to be doing and that they weren't doing a lot of things that they were supposed to be doing, that the scriptures were being violated. So he's in the scriptures and he, he reads and he sees this, that they're supposed to be tithing and, and they're in the middle of an economic recession and, and it's the whole nation. I mean, he, he sees this like you're under a curse, the whole nation. And he sees this, you're under a curse because we're not tithing. So he puts out a command. The king puts out a command. Can you imagine, could you imagine if the president were to put out a command? Everyone is to tithe to your local church. Now, now that wouldn't happen in the U.S., but this king, he said this. He says the tithe must go to the house of God, to the storehouse, 10%. In, in 2 Chronicles, uh, Chronicles chapter 31, verse 14, it says, he told the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and the Levites so that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So remember, again, Malachi says, bring the tithe into my storehouse so that there will be food in my house. And so I want you to think about this. When we come to church, what are we receiving? We're actually receiving spiritual food. And somebody's paying for it. So now, now when, when I say food, I'm not simply talking about sermons, but it's everything that we have from what we do through social media, discipleship through social media, discipleship in the community, our connect groups, uh, um, the air conditioning. Can you hear the hum of it? You didn't even notice it till now, did you? But you're feeling it. And believe me, you will be grateful for it in August. The the chairs you're sitting in, nice, fluffy, comfy chairs. Um, I mean, like, let's be real, functioning toilets. <laughs> Even our missions work. Live stream. You guys who are watching on live stream. That's, he said, that's my food. That's, that's what I do through the local church. That's what God's saying. Now, I have a question for you. <clears throat> As you leave here today, some of you may go home and make some tacos, and that would be a good thing. I like doing that. But others of you may go to a restaurant. Now, when you go to this restaurant, would you even dream about finishing up your meal and just walking out the door and skipping out on the check? No. But at the same time, it happens here every week. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, but I'm saying it for this purpose to understand is we don't charge. We don't charge here. We don't. Try to run a business that way, it's not going to work. You just offer your services and your products for free, and people, if they want to, if they, they desire to give for that, then great. If not, whatever. Well, you're not going to be functioning as a business very long. It's not going to work that way. I mean, Hunter, I know you have your business, and, and do, you, do you send out the stuff that people buy from you? Do you send it out and say, you know, if you want to pay for it, great. If not, just, you know, whatever. No, of course not, because that's, but, th- but there's a difference between the church and a business. We're not a business. We're a kingdom ministry, which means a person can come here and receive all the benefits of the house and never give, and they'll not be called out for it. Now, that's, and that's, that's kingdom ministry right there. So, but we're only able to do what we do because of tithers. Now, and I'm not preaching this message to try to, try to get you to give to a budget. And I was like, well, here's our budget, and you need to give X number of dollars to help us meet our budget. Well, let me just, just explain it to you really quick here. We have a budget. We are budgeted tight, 
And we, so this year, I mean, we are exceeding our budgeted needs. Uh, I mean, we're in, in the, I mean, in the, we, see, we are, we are exceeding our budgeted needs. Uh, honestly, the past few years have been tough, but God has always provided. And so far this year, we are spending less than we have budgeted to spend, and people are giving more than we have budgeted to come in. So thank God for that. That is a huge, huge blessing. When, and it's because of the faithfulness of following a budget, but it's also tithers. That's really where it comes from. Uh, I want to tell you a story. There's a man that I know. His name is Frank. Uh, he's, he's an older man. He's, getting, he's get really getting up in years now. But he started attending church about 50 years ago because his wife absolutely demanded it. On one Sunday, uh, the pastor preached a message very similar to what I'm preaching today. And, and he was sitting there in church. And his wife drug him along. And so I thought, well, you know, I, I, I'm a financial guy and I understand this. And so he, he actually began tithing. He believed what was being shared. He began tithing. Now, please understand, this is actually before he even made a profession of faith, Jesus Christ is his Savior. But he, he believed in tithing before he believed in Jesus. But let's just, let's just move on here. But he said he began tithing, and he noticed everything began changing for him. Uh, over the next couple of years, his business started growing rapidly, and, and, he, and he kept believing in this and practicing tithing, still not following Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Then one day, he had a, this dream about an invention. This is, this, is, this is real. I've talked to this guy, and others have validated this, including his wife. But he had a dream about an invention, and that invention is what we call today, in today's world, we call it the bucket truck. And he had this dream of, of this invention that stabilized the trucks. You see how that truck is stabilized right there. And, and then to create a rotating boom. When he woke up from this dream, he felt God saying, I gave you this dream, I gave you this invention because you're tithing. Still not a believer, he's hearing from God. I don't know how all that works, but it's all, it happens in the scripture, so I know it happens today. What he did is he took his idea and he sold it to a company called Altec Industries. He eventually became a wealthy man, and he directed huge amounts of money to ministry as a result of this. <laughs> and every time, every time I see an Altec truck like that, one of those stabilized bucket trucks, and they are everywhere if you start noticing them because they're all over the place, I remember the story that he told me about the power of tithing and the blessings that can result. And God blesses in a variety of ways. It could be an invention. I don't know how God blesses. It's in a whole lot, a whole lot of different ways. It's not like dollar bills fall out of the sky. I mean, that's, that's not it. But even as a result of that, he saw that, and he said, if tithing will make this happen, I know that it's supernatural. That's when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he continued to do great things for the kingdom and influence so much for the kingdom of God. See, what he did is he put God to the test. Okay, but putting God to the test brings up a whole lot of other questions. Now, I think it's important that we understand and know this. I'm going to take you on a quick little journey through the scriptures because when Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he put God to the test, Jesus to the test. Luke chapter 4, verse 12 says this. 
This is Jesus. He says, it has been stated, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Oh, there it is. So what does that mean? See, Satan was tempting Jesus to jump off of the pinnacle of the temple and to prove that he was God because he says, the angels are going to catch you. So I looked up this word test in the Greek from, this, from the New Testament, and that word test, it's the, it's the terminal term ekpedrazo, which means to test maliciously, to craftily put to the test, to inflict evil upon one in order to prove his character. Okay, so that's interesting. So Jesus is saying, you are not to do that to God. But again, he said, it is written. Okay, it has been stated. Well, where was that stated? Well, that takes me back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, where the scripture says, you shall not put the Lord your God to a test as you tested him at Massah. Okay, so this is what Jesus was quoting but it refers to Massah, what happened at Massah. So then I have to go back to Exodus chapter 17, verse 7. And speaking of Moses, it says here, it says, Then he, Moses, named the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So now we see that they were testing God, but again, we are told that, that we're, and that was bad, but we are told that it's good to test God in Malachi chapter 3. So, did God forget? Well, no. Um, what, let's take a look at that, that word Massah. Why did he name it Massah? Well, I, I'm, you're, you're following. This is, this is just a, one of the little trips you get to follow me on as I do my study. I decided just to share it all with you. But Massah means temptation. Temptation. This is what Moses named the place. He literally named it temptation. But what happened there? What exactly happened there? Because it must be significant if Jesus is actually referring to it as he comes back at Satan in this dialogue. So in Exodus chapter 17, verse 2, we can look back up at what happened. It says, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water so that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Two questions. And why do you test the Lord? Again, so they were thirsty. The people were angry toward Moses, angry toward God. So they tempted God. Massah means temptation. And Moses said, why are you testing or why are you tempting the Lord? That word test right there. So I can now look at that. That is the word nasa. Excuse me, nasa. I want to put it on the right emphasis. Nasa, which is the, goes to that same root as Massah, and it means to test or to tempt. Okay, so Nakah, whenever you see that word test through much of the Old Testament, not all, on all occasions, but through much of the Old, Old, uh, Old Testament, it means to test or to tempt. So do you want to tempt God? What that was is that that was an act of rebellion. Um, they were malicious, and in their rebellion, they maliciously tempted God just like what Satan was doing to Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple. So the take home from this is don't maliciously tempt and, a, and attempt to inflict evil upon God to prove his power. Just don't do that. But tithing is not that. See, you're testing God, but you're not tempting God. Now, looking at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test now. 
Put me to the test now in this. All right. So if you go to the, to the Hebrew language and look up that word test, it is different than what was happening in those other locations. It's a completely different word. It's the term bakan. And it means to examine, to try, to prove, or to test. And you're supposed to do it now. The command is immediacy. Do it now. Remember God said, you're robbing me and you're under a curse. God's saying, I don't want you to be under a curse. I'd like to open the windows of heaven over you and bless you. I'd like to rebuke Satan for stealing from you. But that's going to be up to you whether or not I am freed up to do that. The ball is in your court. So he says, test me in this now. Now. So don't tempt God. Instead, examine and try and prove him through tithing, and it is a righteous and it's a godly thing to do. You're not going to rob God. Don't rob God. And because as I was reading this, I realized there's an immediacy there to it. That's why I've actually saved the offering to the end of the service. And it's not out of manipulation. It's out of, well, the scripture says do this now. Every time I preach a sermon, I'll come to a conclusion until we make a decision at the end of the service. So today I decided it's a very, very rare occasion. I can't remember the last time I've done this, but I'm saving the offering to the end. Now, I want to give you an illustration, and then we're going to be finished, but let's say I'm going away for a couple of years, and, and I pick out three of y'all to manage and to steward some of my finances, and I give each guy, let's say I give each of you $10,000 a month. That'd be great to be able to give you that, but I give each of you $10,000 a month, and, and I say, okay, I'm going to be gone, but all I request is that you give 10% of this what I'm giving you. I'm going to, give, I'm to put it in your bank account every month, but give 10% of this to my wife to make sure that she's taken care of. So give, each of you give her $1,000 each while I'm away, and you can keep all the rest. Now, let's say that one of those guys doesn't give the full 1000 to my wife. The first month, he's like, well, I'm going to give 800 The next month, I'll give five. The next month, I'm giving 200 And then the fourth month, well, there's nothing. Would I keep sending him money? Well, no, of course not. Why? Because I'm mean. No, not at all. It's because I can't trust him to take care of my bride. I'm giving him $10,000 a month, and so I'm going to take that away, and I'm going to give that to the other guys who are doing it because I can trust them. It is the exact same principle. Jesus says, I'm going away. And while I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife, the bride, the, the church, the bride of Christ. And so the faithful he blesses. The unfaithful put themselves under a curse. Is it scriptural, what I just shared with you? Oh, yeah, you bet. It's actually called the parable of the talents. That's exactly what God does. Now we understand a lot more of what Malachi 3.10 says and what it actually means. So let's look at it again. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house and put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of Armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So before we give, before we close, though, I, I, I want to pray. 
because I know that I know that many of you are, are tithers and some of you are also going through a tough time financially and uh, I want to pray for you I want to pray for you I want to pray I want to pray that God provides miraculously 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 yeah he can do it he can do it in a million different ways provision looks different for every single person we sometimes we put too much into this category of dollars but God can bless and will take care of you in a, a variety of ways so I want to pray if you're just going through a tough time right now financially will you just receive this prayer about all over this room if you're watching online I want you to receive this prayer Lord I pray for each person who's struggling financially God I pray that you will honor their faithfulness and even surprise them with debts miraculously being paid off by getting checks literally in the mail. Settlements. Raises and bonuses. Do do a miracle in their lives. I pray for encouragement. Encouragement. Even if it's a a string or a sequence of small miracles, God, let it be in Jesus' name. Open the windows of heaven in Jesus' name. We call out for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I, I just stand before this church and I, again, commit my finances to you, the finances of my household to you. It's all yours, God. And all you request is that tenth. And Lord, I will be faithful with it. I'll continue to be faithful with it. And I thank you, God, that every one of my needs have been met miraculously. You've never let me down. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like for you to go ahead and begin to prepare your offerings right now. Again, first of all, I want to thank those of you who have already given. Um, thank you, those of you who have uh, set up recurring given, giving. I'll remind you there are three, three basic ways to give. So, through the offering envelope, um, through the giving station in the foyer, through the City Life app, or, you know, which is also our, uh, you know, your computer. You can go to the City Life website and give that way. Um, like we say every week, City Life Church is a generous church filled with joyfully generous people. And that's the truth. That is the truth. I want to share something with you that startled me the other day. I was on a required phone call 
with the people who process our giving. It's called Push Pay. It's a Christian organization. And uh, this is a Zoom call, so I'm talking to this guy, talking about, you know, how are we going to set this up? We have to do contracts every three years. And, and uh, he just said, you know what? I'm, I'm looking at your numbers, the number of people who attend your church versus what's being given. And he said, I, I know that, that things are tight. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we're a downtown church, and it's, it's actually expensive to do ministry downtown. It really is. But he said, do you realize, because you probably don't realize this, but I want to give you a little formula here that we use with all of our churches. And he gave me the formula, and he said, for the number of people who attend your church, your church gives four times the amount per person of an ordinary church. I think, what? He says, yeah. He says, please know, God is blessing. Keep doing what you're doing. God will continue to bless. And we prayed, like all of our needs would be met. It was a powerful time of prayer and conversation. Isn't that pretty cool? It really is. It really is. That's amazing. But I, 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 that's wonderful, but I'm also going to keep encouraging you to do what's right because I want you to be blessed. And I tell you what, a lot of the people who are, who are here, you're hearing my voice. You say, yeah, we're blessed because we tithe. Yeah, you are blessed because you tithe. So you continue to do so. Some of you today, you might want to catch up on your tithes. Some of you may, you, some of you, it's like, there's no way. I don't have, I have very little. Just give a little, give something. Even, even over these next couple of minutes, just put something in an envelope and give something. Um, and just believe God for a miracle. If you're watching online, you can, again, go through your computer or your phone to do that through the City Life app. But uh, I want to pray over our offering. And when I finish praying, we're going to go offline. And they're going to pass the baskets here and I just want to chat with you a little bit about what's coming up pray over that as well so let's pray God thank you so much again for the opportunity to partner with you through tithing and giving and I pray that all of the needs in our church will be met even more so that you will Deal generously with us as we continue to advance the cause of Christ through our giving and through evangelism and teaching and reaching our neighborhood and doing the unique ministry that we do here. Let our offerings advance the good news of Jesus Christ right here around these four blocks, five blocks, around downtown, throughout Fort Worth and around the world. I pray again, blessing upon each and every individual as they give and as they're faithful with their tithes. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services 
right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.